Good morning. Today is Friday, July 21st, and we're doing something different because the guest that I had for this week on deprogramming had to reschedule to August 1st, so you can watch for that then. But I had an interview with Michael Jaco, the intuitive warrior, on July 12th, and I thought it was uh, a good interview that lays out a number of things. We're going to repost that today for those of you who are following our channel. And in the spirit of my best buddy, Grace, I'm going to share what's on my shirt. So, you know, Grace really paid attention to those details. <laughs> so signs were such a big piece of how her and I bantered back and forth with humor. So I hope you enjoy that. Have a good weekend, everybody. There we go. Right. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing well. I just saw a give, send, go come through from you. Yeah, I wanted to help you get over sixty thousand. So I was like, yeah, let's let's get him over sixty thousand. That's well, good. That was that was pretty <laughs> darn nice. I I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate your uh, your work, man. This is uh this is amazing. So you've you've had over six hundred uh, interviews, huh? Yeah, and I'm wow. Yeah, it's interesting it's, it because Dr. Artist is the one who got me started. I had about 150 in and I said, how did you get it so that your name, you know, just everybody wanted to talk to you. He said, I had to get to 900 first. So <laughs> I talked with him last week and I told him, well, I've, I've had 600 now, so we're we're getting there. Wow, that's incredible. You would think at this point, you know, it, there would be just like everybody would be on board. Which is, it's a very slow roll, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's one one at a time. I mean, we're we're trying to break into the mainstream media, and yeah, yeah it, I think it's going to happen. You know, we're picking up. You know, there's there's so much interest, but it's still, you know, the lawsuit helps because yeah. there's there's no lawsuits out there, so the lawsuit helps. You know, it it makes people stand up and pay attention. But even I the a reporter from USA Today and the Milwaukee Journal reached out to me. But then they they won't do the report. Oh. And I warned the Milwaukee Journal lady. I said, if you do what you need to do on this report, you're going to lose your job. Mm. Yeah. So let's let's jump in, Scott, and uh, let's let's get this get uh, get this information out there and uh, see if we can wake wake up a few more people. I know you said that you would like me to be able to screen share. So we have um, I've got the files that you you might want up on this screen over here. Yeah. Okay. So if that happens, can we just practice one of those first just to make sure if you absolutely if we on something? absolutely. All right. So I see the screen share button. This is not my expertise, but I'm going to just bring one up. We'll see what happens. OK. All right. Where is it now? You've got multiple screens. Yeah, I have two screens. The one where I'm looking at you with my camera. Yeah. Nice. Oh, you got it. That's it. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. So this is I did this when I was on a program last week. All right. So then I stop share. All right. Got it. We're ready. So whenever <laughs> it, it just it, I love it. It might take some, some you people know, takes six... it takes a lot of shows <laughs> from to get that. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, we'll hit the share. We'll uh, we'll get this rolling. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jacob with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. I've got Scott Shera with us today. Uh, Scott, you have had six hundred shows, basically exposing uh, pretty much the lie and the misinformation and the gun, the control system uh, of the big pharma system. Uh, you had an un fortunate and very tragic loss 
uh, to, at this, through this system and they really get you motivated. Uh, we talked about how Dr. Artis has got you motivated too. I've, I've spoken with him. He's, he's amazing, but wow, 600 shows. And it, I was just, I was just thinking, man, it seems like everybody would be awake by now, but you know, you brought up a good point. We're going against a, an incredibly well-funded and, and pervasive system. Well, that's, that's an understatement for sure. You know, I was not awake to any of this, Michael, until Grace died. I was a conservative businessman with a healthy distrust for the government. Uh, obviously, I trusted the hospital system, otherwise Grace would be here. But now I am, you know, I'm on the process of becoming awake. And so I call it uh, deprogramming yourself. And I think God allowed Grace to go home early for that purpose and me specifically so that I would become deprogrammed and be able to share with the world what I'm learning as I'm becoming deprogrammed. You know, guys like you have been awake for, for years and probably decades, but you know, the majority of the population is just like me. I don't have any letters behind my name. I, I'm a D-A-D, that's it. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Dad, I could, that, and that's good. And that can be one of the most powerful things out there right now. Cause that's who we need to wake up. The dads out there, the moms seem to be fairly well, well awake uh, and dads are waking up now too. So I, I, I really appreciate, you know, the work that you're doing. It's like, like we said, it's a very tough, tough road. You, now you have a lawsuit. Let's explain to us uh, the, you know, the, what happened. And if you want to share slides or any, any point you can, of course, uh, I've got a little bit of um, video from uh, some of the, some of the videos I've seen you do. Uh, we'll share a little bit of that. Uh, to help people see the bigger picture of this, but it it is monumental what you're doing. I, I'm I'm very excited what what can happen. Well, I am too. We have our first hearing coming up this Friday, July 14th, and I'll get to that. But I want to just backfill a bit so people understand mm -hmm. who Grace is. So I won't spend a lot of time on that because we have so much to cover. But it's important. Grace was 19 years old when she was. Uh, you know, what I'm saying is what I believe to be fact. She was murdered on October 13th of 2021. Grace had Down syndrome. She was exceptionally high functioning. I She deer hunted with me. I taught her how to drive a car. My wife um, was uh, did a fantastic job of homeschooling her uh, so Grace could read and write. Yeah, there's, okay, you've got our web, main website up on the screen right now. So there's a picture our, of Grace. Ouramazinggrace.net, yes. <laughs> And, and you have, this is an amazing website because, uh, and we'll talk about it if we get the chance, the Holocaust connection, because I've been talking about how we're basically looking at Nazi Germany again right now, and you have uh, made excellent points uh, in this, uh, the Holocaust connection. Well, thank you for that. You know, so Grace is the motivation here to start with, you know, it's become way bigger than Grace's story as I realized what's going on and the Holocaust connection helped me realize what's going on. But I do just want to share, you know, of course, I miss Grace. I cry. Yeah, I never miss somebody like this. Mm. Uh, so, you know, what do I miss? Well, I miss three things. You know, of course, I miss the hugs every night when I get home. So, you know, I miss that. I miss her relationship with God. She she really showed what love is supposed to look like. You know, she was non-judgmental. She's an encourager. Uh, she she was quite a gift to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then from a dad's perspective, it took me about a year after Grace died to get back into my sense of humor. So I taught Grace my sense of humor. It's kind of a literal corny sense of humor, but I'll just tell you a quick story because it just came up in the last podcast I was on. And, and it's, it's funny because in our local area, there's a, a grocery store chain called Piggly Wiggly. Mm -hmm. So it's a regional chain. You know, there's a, there's a number of them. I don't know how many stores, maybe 150 stores. I don't know. But anyway, their tagline is shop the pig. So Grace and I are driving in the truck one day and she hears the jingle on the radio. And she said, dad, that doesn't make any sense. You can't shop a pig. You know, first you shoot the pig and then you eat the pig, but you don't shop a pig. You know, that's that you know, she she got that type of humor, which you know, I I I can't get enough of that. So anyway, that's uh that's my little buddy in a nutshell. You know, her connection with God is 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 so amazing to me. She called me earthly dad. Uh -huh. She called my wife earthly mom. You know, who does that? We didn't teach her that. Yeah, you know, we named her Grace after God's grace, and you know she blessed us, and 
you know, she's, she's easy to get motivated to do something like we're doing now, but you know, it, it's gotta be God behind us in order to win this lawsuit. So anyway, that's a little bit about grace. Uh, what happened to grace was October 6th of 2021. We had been measuring grace's oxygen saturation with a pulse ox because we believe she had COVID. You know, now I've learned so much. I don't know what yeah. she had because I think COVID is a complete psyop. Um, mm -hmm. So what she had, she had something. She had a flu, cold. I don't know, but right. she had something. And you know, when you have something like a flu, cold, your oxygen saturation goes low. So that mistake is on me. I should have never bought a pulse ox. If I did, I should have looked up historical numbers of what happens to people when they have cold and flu. We had no baseline for grace. So that means I had no business having a tool to measure something without a baseline. Ultimately, the FLCCC protocol at the time said, if that number goes below 94%, admit yourself to the hospital. And that was the second mistake I made because why would I follow man's way to a problem that created fear inside of me but mm -hmm. i did mm -hmm. and you know now so you, you had you had tried uh did didn't you try hydro hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin before that as well not hydro we tried ivermectin so okay. grace was on ivermectin vitamin d c nice. uh, d a all that she was on everything yeah uh, and what i found out so i'm a i'm I'm fairly analytical. I'd like to do research to figure out what's the reason. Nice. And I ended up in a different hospital three days after Grace died. And I just about died that night. And that hospital turned me around in 24 hours. Mm. I think God allowed that so that I could tell this story objectively. But you think, why did Grace and I both end up with low oxygen, where my wife's symptoms for COVID were substantially worse, but she maintained at 95%. Hmm. And so Dr. Chetty is a South African doctor. He had studied at the time I listened to his research, he had studied 8,000 patients. And he found out that if you have a propensity to clot or produce inflammation, hmm. your oxygen saturation goes low with with the COVID symptoms. Yeah. And I have both of those things. I already knew I had them. So, you know, logically Grace inherited those uh, genetic traits for me. And so we both produced low oxygen saturation. You know, mine, the hospital turned around because they put me on oxygen, uh, steroid and budesonide and they turned me around. In Grace's case, if they would have done that, Grace would be alive today. Uh, but they didn't. They started Grace on oxygen and a steroid. They never used budesonide, which would have helped tremendously. But then what they did is they set Grace on a path to kill her starting on October 9th. Mm -hmm. They put her on a sedation med called Presidex. Presidex, according to the package insert, causes acute respiratory failure. So why would you ever put somebody on that? It doesn't make any sense. But the reason they do it, you know, I found this out, of course, by researching after the fact, is the reason they do it is because if you want to put a patient on a ventilator, which is the goal, by the way, not my goal, but the hospital's goal, because it's about a $300,000 payday, they have mm -hmm. to be sedated. So they started Grace on this sedation med. Grace was not anxious. She didn't need to be sedated. I was with her on October 9th. It's ridiculous. I was taken out then by an armed guard on the 10th. We had to hire an attorney to negotiate with the hospital attorney so that my daughter, Jessica, could be a replacement advocate. My wife had COVID at the time, so she couldn't do it. And ultimately, we get to Grace's last day on earth, which was October 13th of 2021. What happened then on that day is we get received a phone call from the doctor in the morning at 10, 12. We've overlaid, of course, the phone records with the hospital records because we've got the lawsuit going. So now everything is tied out. So he called us at 10:12. The purpose of the call was to follow up on a call he had with us the evening before requesting a pre-authorization for a ventilator. And we said no for the fifth time. A ventilator has a 90% kill rate yep. with COVID. So we, we knew we we're not going to do that. He immediately switched gears and said, Grace had such a good day yesterday. Let's work on nutrition. So we foolishly approve a feeding tube as part of that conversation because we're trusting the white coat. While we're still on the phone with him at 1048, he in, he had the nurse increase the dose of Presidex to the maximum allowable dose. So now Grace is starting to get knocked out. Mm -hmm. 
he was off the phone with us at 10.55. At 10.56, he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Grace. So just think this through. A half hour before the DNR, he's telling us how great of a day Grace had. We should work on nutrition. Then they combined Presidex with lorazepam and morphine in a 29-minute mm. window, starting at 5.46, lorazepam, 5.49, lorazepam, and at 6.15, morphine. That 29-minute window of med combination is so egregious, and that's truly the second cause of death. The first cause of death they listed on Grace's death certificate was acute respiratory failure. Well, that's mm. caused by the Presidex, like I said earlier. The second cause of death they listed as COVID-19 pneumonia, so they could get a $13,000 death bonus from the government. Wow. The second cause I, of death- I, I can't the believe they gave her morphine because uh, we would give, <laughs> uh, in a combat situation, we had morphine that we would give each other if it was a, a, battle, a, a horrific battlefield injury. Uh, and I can't imagine other, other, uh, you know, drugs being in the system and then giving more, we, we knew that would be a kill. So, uh, there, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the basis of, uh, you know, what well, the med combination really isn't the basis of the lawsuit. It's good. It's a piece of the lawsuit, which we'll right. cover those details later. But then mm -hmm. as Grace started to get cold, Jessica's in the room with her. She's, she's with Grace. And she notices her getting cold about 15 minutes after the morphine. She begs wow. the nurses to come in. They said, that's normal. Just cover her with a blanket. So then she called us panicking and we started screaming, save our daughter. They refused. They stayed in the hallway the entire time. The morphine package insert says to keep the reversal drug bedside and monitor the patient. No doctor or nurse came in Grace's room until they pronounced her dead at 727. They instead hollered back, she's DNR. Do not resuscitate. We said, she's not. We screamed, she's not DNR. Save her daughter. They refused. And we watched Grace die at 727 on October 13th of 2021 on a FaceTime call. And uh. that event, you know, a number of things happened before we jumped in to um, help save people's lives. But I mean, that is the event that is why you and I met right now. I wish yeah. we would have never met, by the way, other than you know, not in these circumstances. Yeah, not in these circumstances, but I'm glad we did because uh, we need people like you, Scott, to to speak out because I've, I've been talking about this for years and I can't understand why parents don't really speak out or why husbands or wives or don't speak out. They just accept the healthcare system is immovable. They have no choice and they have to accept what the consequences are. You have not. And I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much for acknowledging it. You know, God knew this would light a fire under my lazy rear end and it is a fire indeed. I mean, I have, I have owned three businesses in my lifetime, started all from scratch, you know, that's work, but yeah. this is more work than that. And it is, it is so intense. Um, and, and yet it's your sense of you're, you're actually helping people. I was on a radio program last night from 10 to 11 PM and I'm not a night owl. I mean, I was running out of gas at the end and a lady called in and said, uh, her neighbor had heard Grace's story and her 89 year old dad, she was able to get out of the hospital because of hearing Grace's story. Well, that stuff is, you know, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. I, I heard another show uh, and we'll, we might bring that up uh, where you talked about how there was another, so you probably, you hear a lot, a lot of, a lot of the people saying that, and you mentioned it on another show where someone had their daughter or something in, and uh, they had gone in and gotten her out. So I, you're, you're making an impact. And I know that, you know, many of us who speak out like this uh, have made a major impact. I, I remember talking about, you know, things you could do to prevent going to the hospital uh, and people, you know, called me by the hundreds and, you know, over the years and have told me how that helped them. So it does make a difference, but we, we're still against the system. And that's, that's what we'll, we'll talk about uh, going forward. So that's, that's good. Well, I, I agree. You know, one of the things that were, I, I uh, don't normally dress like this, but I did specifically today because I have, I have four interviews. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something unconventional because everybody wants to know what the lawsuit because of Friday. And, you know, there's so many biases and they do this divide and conquer strategy because it's one of Satan's tactics. And one of the mm -hmm. You know, in the old days, I used to think divide and conquer was cats. You know, you can divide a room with 
with you know everybody either likes cats or hates cats right you can divide a room with cats but now you they have all kinds of reasons to divide a room mm -hmm. and so i wore this shirt today ah uh, yeah thank you sir <laughs> ouramazinggrace.net yeah guys remember that ouramazinggrace.net there's a lot of information on there good job unvaccinated lives matter in the first day's doctor report you know they had i have it right here in front of me he referenced that grace had down syndrome four times that were christian two times that were following the frontline doctors misinformation campaign two times and that were not vaccinated two times his mm -hmm. last sentence says unfortunately i think the patient probably would not be here if she'd been fully vaccinated so i mean you can this is what they do i share these details because I, I don't want people to just think, well, this is a dad who lost his daughter and he just wants to share the story. Of course, I want to share the story, but the facts matter. And if people have these facts, there's certain facts that are so important that if they were out in the general population, this country would cease to exist the way that it is. And mm -hmm. one of those examples is Obamacare section 1553, which you and I will cover. But the other one is the Brooke Jackson case. Have you studied the Brooke Jackson case at all? Michael? I haven't. Mm -hmm. So I'll just cover that one real quick because we're on Excellent. we're on unvaccinated, unvaccinated lives matter. So Brooke Jackson filed a false claims act against Pfizer. And the reason is that she was an employee of Pfizer and she saw that they weren't doing any testing. Yeah. Okay, so wrap your head around that. So she files a false claims act that gives her whistleblower protection by the federal government. Pfizer responds back. This was in January of 21. Pfizer responds back and says, we have a contract called an OTA, an other authority agreement with the Department of Defense. We weren't even hired to produce a vaccine. We were hired to produce a prototype. And so no testing was even required. In October of 2021, the federal government comes in behind Pfizer and supports Pfizer's motion to dismiss. On March 31st of 2023, the federal judge dismissed the case. So now it's going under appeal. But why did the federal judge dismiss the case? Because if that became known to the public, all the trust in the government would be over. Right. Now, Bobby so they, Kennedy has Bobby Kennedy Jr. has come out and he has really been hammering on the vaccine issue as well, saying that there are no vaccines that have gone through a rigorous testing system. None, not one out there. So he's really. Did you listen, uh, well, did you listen to him on Joe Rogan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, good. that was a great interview. I mean, he nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's great because he's a presidential candidate. He's out there in front you know, finally releasing this because he's been in the background and been suppressed, but now he has, he has an audience like you do. So we're, we're getting this word out there. This is, this is going to make an impact. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I would like to just, I would like to dive into this Obamacare thing because I, I want people to understand that COVID simply exposed the agenda. That's all mm. it did. And so COVID was a tool to wake us up so it woke me up and grace's case her lawsuit has nothing to do with covid it has to do with the euthanasia agenda mm -hmm. and this euthanasia agenda as near as i can tell was started at, in the early 1900s uh it, under the guise of you know we've got to um, eliminate people who are non-contributing members of society the useless eaters you know, ultimately, the United States invented that, Germany adopted it, and yeah. then, you know, of course, Hitler is the one that, that gets all the blame. But the reality is the United States is behind this. And how they do it, it's very interesting to me as I've dug into this. So I'll just give people a little bit of a background. So once I had gone through all of Grace's medical records, at first I thought it was an anomaly. And so then I, I did the analysis. I sent it to the hospital's CEO and doctor asking for a meeting, thinking that, well, they would want to know this so they don't do it to somebody else. Well, then they rejected having a meeting. So then you start noodling. Remember, I'm not awake at this point. I don't know anything. I just think, this is strange. So yeah. then I sent a, a um, 
a complaint to the what's called the Department of Safety and Professional Services. That's the Wisconsin regulatory agency that holds the doctor's licenses. So I sent a complaint. Well, then on January 24th in the mail, I get a letter from them. And I'm thinking, you know, I see who it's from. I think, oh, we're going to finally get some action here. Well, they did. They said they did an investigation and found the doctor did no wrong. That was my first day of being starting to, you know, the, the light bulb going on. Right. Yeah. And then I thought, they are all in on this. Wow, yeah. Is how can this be? How can a doctor put an illegal DNR on somebody? How can you do this med combination? Well, that got me really digging. And by April, I had about 500 hours of research in Grace's records, and I concluded she was murdered. Yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, she, she was murdered. That led me to genocide, to my surprise. So now I'd already had, you know, this is about the time I had 100 interviews or so. And so when I realized, oh my gosh, this is genocide, I started telling this to people and then they didn't want me on their programs. That's too risky. But the Epic Times picked up on it and they were willing to do an article on it. Mm. Well, then that got me into researching the Holocaust. Yeah. And then the then I'm, I have done about 25 interviews with Vera Sherov, a Holocaust survivor. And she really opened my mind up to, this is a second Holocaust. And it's the same pattern they did the first time. So look at what they just did on, on April 10th. Congress passes a law that COVID is over. What's the reason? It's a whole psyop to get us thinking that, okay, we can move on with our life while they have this whole nefarious agenda that they're working on. So this nefarious agenda, I want to I want to pull up now. I'm finally at the point of bringing up Obamacare. Did you want to go through something on Grace's website first? Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up that uh, you're bringing up the uh, the Holocaust uh, connection. So I just want to I just want to let everybody know where that sure. is. That's on our amazinggrace.net. Uh, I pulled this up and I was like, wow, it blew me away. And I just want everybody that like, please pull this up and go through this. The the parallels are unbelievable of what's going on right now. Uh, so you know, 1940, COVID. Uh, quarantine camps in Australia, on and on and on. IBM was helping them, you know, find uh, the people that weren't uh, vaccinated or were, or were Jews. I was like, whoa, oh my God, like I, AI, you know, we're, we're looking at AI yeah. now and how that might be used against us. So we need to be, we need to really wake up to this stuff. And uh, you're doing, you're, you're, you're front, you're front line. Thank you, Scott. Well, I'm I'm thankful to be used. I can't hardly believe God would use a DAD. It doesn't make any sense, but you know, I, I am so motivated to do this. It's it's uh, it's it becomes your life. Yeah. You know, people ask, well, why don't you go back to work? Why don't you? Because you can't, right? You know, you know, if you if you know where a serial killer lives and works, how can you go back to work? You can't go back to work. You gotta yeah. you gotta share this, right? Yep. You know, that's it's it has simply become my life. All right, so I'm going to pull up this Obamacare thing because I think between this and the Brooke Jackson case, if people just knew these two things, then there would be a revolt like there was never before, and we could finally end this whole charade. You know, we you know come to grips. You already know this, but I've had to come to grips with everything that I have been told in my life, other than what I have learned out of the Bible, has been a lie everything you know it's like you know it took a lot of these things when i started doing the research with with world war ii and the holocaust sometimes it would take me two weeks just to get a concept through my head mm -hmm. because it's like no this can't be true right you go through that and uh, now i i'm i'm there i'm not 100 percent awake because i don't think anybody can be all right i'm gonna no, try no, this and I, I agree with you i mean you're you're helping me wake up to some of this stuff that you know i had a had a bigger picture but you're giving me more details and i really appreciate that it's easier to talk about things when you have the details that people can look up and uh, follow yeah and this detail is is substantial and so i'm going to connect the dots as to how this applies to the hospital setting so we're going to do this in three steps so the first step is i'm going to introduce to your audience ezekiel emmanuel so ezekiel emmanuel is the man who was hired to write Obamacare. All right, mm -hmm. so his attitude is very important. What is his view of the world? Because that view of the world 
and that's why he was hired, he was hired because of his view of the world, is how Obamacare is written. So his view is, is I'm going to quote one of his quotes from 1996 regarding health care. He said, quote, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. So anybody who is a non-contributing member of society does not deserve medical care, mm -hmm. right? So newsflash, we're all going to be non-contributing members someday, yeah. all right? So this is part of the overall agenda. Yeah, I would have never, if somebody said to me a year and a half ago, do you know that there's a worldwide agenda to reduce the population? I would have said, you're a complete whack job. But the fact is, that is what is going on. Yeah. And this, so you think, well, that, that there's no way. This is the United States of America. All right, so I'm going to show you no way. All right, so let's make sure that this happens. Yeah, this is good because I remember this about Obamacare, and I was like, nah, there's no way they'll really implement that. No one will allow that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're seeing, uh, and especially in New York, they just, they killed the seniors in New York on a massive level. Yeah, I've gotten to know Nurse Erin. She was a traveling nurse. She went to New York, and she saw that 100% of the patients in the hospital she was at were murdered. So yeah. she ended up being a whistleblower because they had her sign a gag order. You can't say anything. And she, no, she was paid $10,000 a week as a traveling nurse and said, no, hmm. I've got to expose this. Did the screen share come up of the Obamacare? Yeah, you're good. It's perfect. Right. Thank you. So I'm turning my head to read it off of my screen. Okay. So Obamacare is 906 pages long. You can Google it. You'll get a PDF if you want to download it. I encourage you to do that so you can, you know, this document is right off of that. It's page 141. It's section 1553. The title is Prohibition Against Discrimination on Assisted Suicide. <clears throat> and so the underlying portion, so the intro says the government. So the government, what? May not subject an individual, that's a doctor, or institutional healthcare entity, that's a hospital, nursing home, or hospice care facility, to discrimination on the basis that that entity does not provide any healthcare item or service furnished for the purpose of causing or the purpose of assisting in causing the death of any individual, such as by assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing. So it's not written in common language, but it's not too hard to see what that says. It says that we are going to implement, as a government, we're going to implement euthanasia, mercy killing, and assisted suicide. And if you don't want to participate, you can't be discriminated against. All right, so how did that work out with COVID? The doctors who chose to stand up were lost their licenses, were shunned, and were fired from the organizations that they were involved in. They lost their paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what's real interesting about this is subsection D. If they are discriminated against, their claim for discrimination is with the Health and Human Services Department. The Health and Human Services Secretary is the most corrupt man in this whole cabal. He is the one who implemented the public health emergency on January 31st of 2020. And by law, it had to be re-upped every 90 days. And he did that for 39 consecutive months. So he kept wow. the PSYOP going for 39 months. So now you're discriminated against because you won't kill patients and you're supposed to appeal to a mass murder. I mean, this is this is so egregious. I, 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 um, I when I saw this, Michael, when I saw this with my own eyes, I thought, I got to share this with everybody who will listen, because mm -hmm. this is how they cross the T's and dotted the I's and can legally kill us. So you might say, I'm not on Obamacare. All right. So that's a legitimate objection to this. All right. Well, I'm going to explain why that's not a legitimate objection. And the reason oh. it's not mm -hmm. is because the Center for Medicaid Services sets the standard of care for the entire population in the United States. So Obamacare is the standard of care for the entire population of the United States. So how do they do it? We, where I get my ivermectin prescription is a great example. It's at a local pharmacy. 
and when I call to get the prescription refilled, you, you get the voicemail system. And before you can get into the prescription section, it's they announce that they're having the COVID flu jab certain days of the week. All right, so how can they possibly still be promoting the COVID jab when it's already shown it was never a vaccine? Well, it's because they're still selling that propaganda to anybody that's not woken up. And because mm -hmm. even though this is a private pharmacy, they accept Medicare and Medicaid, so they've got to toe the line. I was diagnosed with heart disease six years ago. They wanted me to have a statin drug. I refused. I did my own research and I've been able to manage it on my own with no meds. The nurse for the doctor that or who diagnosed me, she called me aside and said, Scott, I'd like to tell you something that you're not going to want to hear. I said, what is it? She said, we have to get you on the statin. And I said, what, what, what do you mean you have to get me on the statin? She said, our Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement rates are determined based on what percentage of our patient population we can get to follow the protocols. So this is this is huge. I, at that point, we had private insurance. We don't have any insurance now because it's the best thing you can do to get out of this system is stop yeah. the insurance. So you start using your brain. Don't let the insurance company dictate what you're doing. All right, so then I wanna go to one more step so you'd think, okay, this is the law, big deal. Doctors took an oath to do no harm. So this law doesn't matter. They took an oath to do no harm, right? All right. So I've been on so many podcasts, the, even doctors are watching. The doctor sent me an email and said, Scott, just so you know, we haven't taken that oath in years. There is not an oath to do no harm anymore. It's part wow. of the, the propaganda that we've been sold. All right. So what are they taking an oath to? So the next document's even worse than this. All right, I got to bring that one up now. You're watching a miracle live. A 60-year-old guy is doing screen share. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... This document, so you see it's titled, the title on the top, Palliative Care Network of Wisconsin. Why Wisconsin? Because Grace is from Wisconsin. So I, I was interested in what's, what's the programming in Wisconsin. And of course, you already knew I was from Wisconsin because I'm the only one without an accent. So now <laughs> you look at, I give away my humor for no extra charges. So people, very good, very good. All right, so you see what the title of this is, Palliative Care for Patients with Down Syndrome. It's written by two MDs. This is a training document. So you have Obamacare is the law. And so then they have still have to get the doctors to implement it. So how do they do it? This document was written in July of 2011. So Obamacare passed in 2010. Now they've got to have the implementation of Obamacare. So how do they pull it off? Well, you gotta have training documents. So this is a training document to implement Obamacare to euthanize people with Down syndrome. All wow. right, so Grace was euthanized. So this is the smoking gun with Grace's death. So you see they have, they don't say anything positive. So they just list all, all kinds of problems. That's the starting point. So it mm -hmm. says causes of morbidity and death in Down syndrome. So they list about 50 problems people with Down syndrome have. So you can, you can see it, I'll uh, just pick out a couple, congenital cardiac septal defects, thyroid dysfunction, congenital hip dislocation, blah, 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 blah. So nothing but problems, right? You read that list, you think, holy cow, I never want to have somebody with Down syndrome, right? And that's what they're trying to convince the medical population to do. Keep in mind, they've already convinced them to do that because when the young couple gets pregnant, they go into the doctor, the doctor says, let's let's uh, schedule your amniocentesis. They don't even think anything of it because they trace, trust the white coat. Then the amniocentesis comes back with Down syndrome as a diagnosis and the doctor encourages them to have an abortion. A abortion with Down syndrome babies in the womb is 67% right now in the United States. Some countries have eliminated Down syndrome. So they're starting early. It's a whole mindset. It's called the banality of evil. So the mm -hmm. evil just becomes integrated in society. This evil is in the medical system. So it's no surprise when COVID happened, they set this up for decades to be able to, call, to pull COVID off. All right, so we got all these problems. So now they do a transition statement. 
where it says the lifelong toll on families is high. Obvious, when you look at that list, that's what the only conclusion you could come up with is that the lifelong toll is high. Part of a robust plan of care includes acknowledgement of this toll by the healthcare providers. So the healthcare providers have got to be the savior, small s. They've got to come in on the white horse and save these families from their, I mean, this terrible thing. They have a Down syndrome person in their family. We've got to save the family from this Down syndrome person. It, they're just wreaking havoc in the family. I mean, obviously you can see Grace's pictures. Yeah, she didn't wreak havoc with her family. She was just no. fantastic. She was the Beautiful best blessing soul, yeah. God ever gave us outside of salvation. So then here's the transition statement. This is the killing statement. Whenever possible, decision makers, that's the doctors, for people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment to make key palliative care decisions. All efforts should be made to determine the preferences of the patient. However, because of lifelong cognitive impairment, the views of the person with Down syndrome may not be known. All right, so just think about you, Michael. Let's say someday you get dementia. All right, because of the fact that you have a cognitive impairment, does that mean the doctor should be able to determine whether you live or die? No. This is not. what they're doing. This is wow. exactly, how, this is why I'm warning everybody, we are yeah. all going to become non-contributing members of society. Mm -hmm. And they have trained the entire medical profession that this is acceptable. This whole spirit of collectivism, this is an acceptable way to run a society. And I, I am, I am sickened by this. I never thought evil was at this level. You know, I had a concept of evil, but not that it is, this is evil, yeah. totally evil. They definitely pushed it to, I think, a limit, and then they backed off a little bit. Now, if, if when they come at us with another vaccination scheme, uh, they're probably going to push a lot harder. And then those people that don't do the vaccination will be kind of like what you're pointing out here. Uh, seen as uh, as a risk to society, and because of this this wording, they could uh, they could euthanize us. Well, that that's correct. So, I mean, I don't know what that looks like. I mean, is it going to be tied in with the central bank digital currency? Yeah, I'm right. not a prophet, but you know, somehow they're going to have another scheme to be able to. You know, I personally, I think it's going to be tied in with cancer, and the reason I think that is because um, seventy percent of the population got the jab. And during, mm -hmm. in the United States, I'm talking about, and during COVID, what they did was they, re, they, um, uh, they, they, uh, what is, they reduced the, the, the restrictions for sign up for Medicare and Medicaid. So before COVID, there were 62 million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. Now there's a hundred million. And the excuse they used before COVID to reduce services to those people on Medicare and Medicaid is, is budget. 39% of the federal budget was for the Medicare and Medicaid programs. Well, now the budget concern is substantially higher. It's over 50% of the budget for those programs. So mm -hmm. when these people on Medicare and Medicaid get cancer, they're programmed to do what? They're programmed to go to the doctor and get a diagnosis. And then the doctor says, I can schedule your chemo and radiation treatment for next week. Mm -hmm. And they already programmed that that's how you treat cancer, even though it only has a 3% success rate. And so then they're programmed to do the next thing, which is, is does my insurance cover it? And the doctor puts his arm around the patient and said, the good news is you're on Medicare or you're on Medicaid, so you're covered. And they just signed their death certificate. So I think they're going to have that fear is going to be used to create another vaccine, a cancer vaccine. And uh, they're going to get another swath of the population gone. But anyway, that's just... It, don't don't take what I'm saying as as uh, I have anything other than you know, I'm using statistics to influence how I think about it. Yeah, there's a a, a lot of people because I, I I work with a lot of people, and uh, they've come up to me and they've told me how they they warned their relatives and friends and so forth not to get the vaccination, and uh, they had cancer in remission for decades, and then the cancer just exploded. Uh, and it's because it's basically suppressing the immune system. Uh, and that's, I believe you're right. We're going to see, we, and we are seeing cancer rates explode right now. A, a strange thing that I wouldn't have known other than I own a business and we just uh, put a key man life insurance policy on one of the employees is that the life insurance application does not ask if you got the COVID jab. Hmm. 
So that tells me something that somebody is bailing out the life insurance companies because there's a 40% increase in all-cause morbidity. So a life insurance company can't suck that loss up. So why aren't they asking the question, right? They ask if you're a smoker yeah. and you get rated if you're a smoker, right? So if you got the COVID jab, you should also get a rating, but they're not asking that. Yeah, that's interesting. So it, that can that can work both ways, uh, but we're seeing from people that are getting you know sick even after having COVID shot uh, and having all kinds of problems, which they're covering up, that it is it is an issue. I'm gonna share. Uh, you have um, you're involved in this one uh, movie, Breaking the Oath. Oh yes. And that's that's uh, that's on Rumble. I highly recommend people to uh, go to Rumble. Uh, you can put in Breaking the Oath. Uh, and you and you can watch this. Uh, it's got some really uh, insightful information in here. Uh, this nurse that you were talking about, Erin, uh, we'll, we'll let her talk a little bit. And uh, then there's another one I want to bring up too. Sounds great. And if it wasn't going to be, all right. Let me let me go back and because uh, sometimes I forget to uh, include the uh, sound. So I think I just did that. Let me reshare. There we go. Share sound on. Bring that back up. That has happened um, since the very, very beginning has all been based on fear tactics because they can create whatever type of public health emergency and put the fear into the people so the people will comply because nobody wants to be sick and nobody nobody wants to die you know but that's how they were that's how they did it you know that's how they were able to get to where we are i guess today they kicked out all the family members and first of all that that should have never happened it should never ever ever happen again um that was very confusing to me because as a nurse, if I can gown up and put on the mask, put on all the PPE and then leave the hospital, we were allowed to go to Walgreens and Target and CVS that were all open around, you know, Times Square while everybody else and their family members is banned and sent home. Sometimes they put restraining orders on family members because they wanted to come in. That was, that's a huge issue. Um, that was a big red flag because without a family member to advocate for you, what do you have? You have a nurse, right? I mean, a nurse's job is to be the patient's advocate, but if you have nurses that are unwilling to advocate for their patient because they're more concerned about their paychecks, then this is, this is where um, things went very, very south and not in the patient's favor. So I thought that was... Uh... I didn't even know that, that uh, nurses advocate for the patients. Uh, they watch and make sure there's no corruption or anything like that. And that's, that's what you had. You had nurses come forward to you in the beginning and tell you that um, uh, Grace should not have died. And I think that's, that's fantastic. And like you were saying, she, she was earning $10,000 a week. Uh, and she gave that up. I think she even lost her. She can't even be an RN now. Uh, because she she chose to speak out. Yeah, I mean it's uh, she's she's quite a unique person. I talked with Aaron the the day after we did we did an online viewing so that all the all the cast were there, and I called her, and she she really encapsulated what I think about things. She said, Scott, I I can't even remember what life was like before because now you know she's a full-time advocate i'm a full-time advocate you don't even remember what was life like i mean mm -hmm. every day is you get up and you're just on this from from the time you get up until you're done i mean i'm working on the lawsuit and we're you know today i had four interviews and um you know then then you you still got to fit research in and i've got there's so much research to do to be able to your goal you want to wake people up and so you've got to have um you got to have the truth that is at your disposal. So, I mean, I have, I have probably, I don't know, maybe 500 slides of research that I put together that I can call on if people want to see uh, what, what is, what is really going on. Wow. That's incredible. 
Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's like my day. I, uh, I spend, you know, my day researching. Uh, sometimes I do three and four shows a day. Uh, it's, you know, I'm all, I'm all over the map as far as like, you know, revealing, uh, information. Uh, you're, you're very focused on this. And I think that's, uh, that's having uh, a major impact. You know, it did, it did for me because, uh, I feel like I'm very well, uh, conversed in, uh, this information. You opened my eyes to uh, several things. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the hospital murder lane. Other people are in other lanes and I'm, you know, I try to really restrict my lane, uh, simply because I think it's important to know as much as you can about the topic that you're on. You know, there's a, a lot bigger lane, which is the evil lane, um, which, you know, Grace's death opened open my eyes, eyes up for that. But if we're going to talk about that, that's a whole nother show because I got to lay a lot of groundwork for people to understand Satan's tactics. Yeah, that's good. And uh, yeah, we, sh we should have you back in uh, and, and go a little bit deeper with this because uh, it's definitely um, uh, very powerful. Uh, I, re I really enjoy it. Did you want to uh, did you want to share anything else on your uh, PowerPoints? I would like to I would like to discuss the lawsuit so people okay, understand good, yeah. is a very common question. So to frame what's going on, 1.2 million Americans were murdered during the 39 months that is called COVID. All right, and I'm talking about not from the jab. These are hospital murders. All mm -hmm. right, so Grace's lawsuit represents 1.2 million families. So the most common question I get is how come there's not other lawsuits? Hmm. And it's very important that people understand this. So there's not other, other lawsuits because they are all in on this. The Democrats, the Republicans, you know, I've been a conservative my whole life. And now I'm checking out of that system. That is a satanic system. It's called the lesser of two evils. Hmm. So you know, I had thought, oh, I'm not going to vote. But then all of a sudden, Hillary's running against Trump. Well, of course, you got to vote for Trump. That's a no-brainer, right? But that's that's the lesser of two evils, right? right? God is outside of that paradigm. Mm. And how what I'm going to share with you now, because people say, well, I can't even find an attorney. No attorney will take my case on. Well, there's a reason no attorney will take your case on. And it's called tort reform. Mm. So do you remember Stella Liebeck, Michael? You probably won't remember Liebeck, but you'll know who this is as soon as I say it. This is the 79-year-old lady who spilled McDonald's coffee on her lap in 1992. That's right, yeah. Okay, so everybody in the country is familiar with that story. How come? It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense that one story got the whole country's attention. Well, every time you see that, you got to understand it is propaganda. So I researched this case because... One of the attorneys on our legal team said, Scott, you got to research this case so you can, you know, when you're talking, you know, we have a great legal team. And so most legal teams don't want somebody like me out there blabbering, but they, they're saying, just go, you're, you know, the media is your best friend. Just go, Scott. It's fine. So anyway, this attorney said, take a look at the Stella Liebeck case and you're going to be shocked. So the Stella Liebeck case was used by the Republicans to propagandize the their big donor request to do tort reform so what's tort reform well that is to limit liability for their big donors all right so they had to they had to have a thing that would motivate the entire country to do it was called their contract with america so Newt Gingrich headed this up the contract for america we got to have tort reform all right well tort reform so you can look up the Stella Liebeck case on your own. It's very easy to, there's there's some videos on it that, that expose the propaganda. All right, so there was a lady named Stella Liebeck. There really was a lawsuit. That's not my point of going through it. But the excuse they used with that case was we can't have this happen. We can't have $2.7 million, $2 million cases for spilling coffee. All right, well, yeah, well, that would be true if that actually was true. But what they did then with tort reform, that trickles down. So the biggest tort reform that everybody should be familiar with is called, I just want to find it, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. So how has that worked out for us? So Ronald Reagan, who we would consider the best president that we've had in our lifetime, he signed that into law. Well, how has that worked out? 
why do vaccine manufacturers, which Bobby Kennedy, or, or not Bobby Kennedy, I'm sorry, RFK Jr., as you know, we just talked about it, and Joe Rogan exposed, none of these things have ever been tested. So then, what? so what's going on? How? Why does big government need to give big pharma a free pass? Okay, it's all about it's all about the money. All right, so now we take that. So it doesn't work out, right? We have deaths, autism, everything related to these vaccines because they were never the goal was never to have that be a help to the population. It was always to kill the population. So that's why they got a free pass. So now they do tort reform. So now we get to Grace's case. So here's the here's the uh, news that nobody wants to hear because every, all these 1.2 million families want to get an attorney to take their case on, and I have been you know I, the ones that contact me I just tell them bluntly you know unless you have three hundred thousand dollars in the bank they're not going to take your case on and the reason is is because of tort reform, so early on I never thought we'd file a case I talked with the best medical malpractice attorney in Wisconsin he said Scott even in slam dunk cases like this appears to be we only have a one in ten chance of winning so I'm going to go through the math here and then I'm going to show you with Grace's case what's going on so a one in ten chance of winning in Wisconsin the state statute limitation of liability for a doctor is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars with a wrongful death so seven hundred fifty thousand dollar limit one in 10 chance of winning, 75,000. Why a one in 10 chance of winning? He said, I'm gonna tell you a, about a case that we lost. I he said, I represented a family where the sponge, a sponge was sewed up in the, inside the husband in a surgery and we lost. And so I think, how could you lose that? He said, I brought in 10 experts and the other side brought in a hundred. They circle the wagons around your own around their own. We're going up against Ascension Hospital System. They have 30 billion in cash, 30 mm. billion, mm. all right? So the experts alone cost 100 grand. Jesus. All right? Oh. So 750,000, one in 10 chance of winning, 75,000. By state statute, the attorney can only take a third, that's 25,000. 100,000 out of pocket for experts. Doesn't cut it. Doesn't work, right? That's why no law, that's why Grace's case is a landmark case. It isn't because, you know, Grace was a special kid and there's some very unique circumstances to her case, but there's lots of cases that have unique circumstances. Uh, there, the reason Grace's case is landmark is because of tort reform. You can't hmm. sue. So now we have the partial motion to dismiss hearing coming up on Friday the 14th. And what they're trying to do, so we have multiple legs to the stool of our case. Uh, we have a battery claim for lack of informed consent. We have wrongful death. We have medical malpractice. And we have a declaratory judge judgment for the illegal DNR. So they're trying to dismiss the declaratory judgment outright. Why? Because they say it's a moot point because Grace is dead. <laughs> so just wrap your head around that, right? I mean, so then you can't wow. have a case because the person's dead. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. All right. Then the next piece of it is they want to take the intentional tort, which is the battery claim for lack of informed consent and meld that into medical malpractice. Why? Because there's a, a limitation and no punitive damages allowed in a medical malpractice case. And they are, they're blunt about it. I'm going to read from from uh, their brief. So the legal brief that they submitted for Friday's case is, it says, I quote, the legislature's purpose in enacting a statutory scheme, which I'm emphasizing the word scheme, to govern claim for damages arising out of alleged medical negligence was to encourage healthcare providers to remain in Wisconsin by imposing certain limits on the causes of action that a patient or her family member can pursue and and the types and amount of damages that can be recovered. All right, so this is just like the, the vaccine limits. Why do we need limits if, why don't you just produce a good product? I own a business. If we don't produce a good product and get sued, I don't have liability protection. I've got to make right the wrong, correct? Yeah. All right, so what happens here? The doctor kills somebody, he doesn't, he's got liability protection. Why don't you just be a good doctor? You don't need liability protection. So the excuse that doctors won't practice in our state if we don't give them liability protection, why don't you just be a good doctor? 
take care of people, treat them like you would want to be treated yourself. Think through, if every single doctor who would give a combination of meds, Presidex, lorazepam, and morphine to Grace had to do that to themselves first, hmm. guess how many times that combination would be implemented? It rhymes with zero because it is zero because they would never do that to themselves first. Hmm. They do it because they have liability protection. And the hospital tells them, if you don't do this, we're going to fire you. So then your million-dollar mortgage doesn't get paid anymore. Mm. So that's what's happening. So if you were to win, would that be like a landmark case and other people could build off that and use as use that as an example? Yeah, so we we did a couple of things that are very unique to set the groundwork for that. One is we not just... We didn't just sue Ascension Hospital System, but we we sued the five doctors and two nurses who were directly involved with Grace's death mm -hmm. to set that as the standard. So no doctor or nurse can use the excuse, I was following orders, um, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You are accountable for the consequences of your choices. So we did that so that people can see that model. And then we also... Um, the summons and complaint, if you look at it, it, I think it's 25 pages long. So we didn't do, you can just do like the, a summary, like a notice pleading. We did an extended pleading so people can see, okay, this is how you do it. So it can be set up as a model for other cases. And, yeah. and by the way, if we win, uh, we have already said publicly, and I'll say it here again uh, for you know the nth number of time that we're not taking the money. We are mm. going to plow it in for other lawsuits because that's what needs to happen. Yeah. So we've wow. Been, so we've I remember you, you were, uh, I saw that um, video where you're at Olive Tree Ministries. That's an excellent video. And everyone, anyone listening, that's on Rumble, a lot, Olive Tree Ministries, Breaking the Oath, Scott Shera. So that's excellent uh, video. You, she asked the question how much uh, they may have made off of Grace's death. And you you didn't know the exact figures, of course, but you kind of guesstimated maybe around three hundred thousand. But you also gave the figure that, you know, there's some uh, depending on what kind of drugs they use and so forth, ventilators, and you know, it can make up upwards of half a million dollars for every death they cause. And we heard from Aaron, it was a hundred percent deaths that were happening in her hospital in New York. That's tremendous uh, cash cow for these hospitals. Yeah, let me drill that down just for a bit, because in Grace's case, I don't think they made 300,000. 300,000 is the average they make on a ventilator. So that's mm. just one That's just one piece of the puzzle. If they are able to convince the family to do remdesivir, ventilator, the average is a half a million then. Wow. And I've seen several cases that are million-dollar cases with remdesivir and ventilator. This is the reason I think Grace died on October 13th, specifically because we would not approve a pre-authorization for a ventilator. If Cindy and I would have approved a pre-authorization for a ventilator, I can absolutely guarantee you Grace would have been on a ventilator because we would have lost the authority to say no. And if she would have been put on a ventilator, Grace would not have died on October 13th. She would have died three weeks later. Why? Because that maxes out the $300,000 payday. Wow. Mm. That's incredible. Wow. Such, such evil. I mean, we guys, we have to bring these guys to justice. Uh, so back to uh, our amazing grace.net. Now there's uh like I said, there's lots of great information in here. Uh, how can you help? There's a donate through Gibson go. Uh, so I highly recommend people, uh, you know, help because uh, it can have a massive impact. Uh, so like, I donated a little bit there and got you over 60,000. I, I challenge everybody to come in and uh, help, help get to that, that goal of a hundred thousand. That can, that's can make a, a massive difference uh, going forward as far as like a winning this case and maybe having a major impact all around the country and who knows, maybe even the world. Well, that's the, the goal. I mean, we've been standing on Genesis fifty twenty, which says you intend what you intended for harm god meant for good the saving of many lives and you know grace's death my wife and i directly saved a disabled man on november 5th of 22 we 
physically removed him out of a hospital in Green Bay, Wisconsin and saved his life. And right. there's been many, many, many people reaching out and saying, hey, I heard Grace's story. It saved my dad's life. I mentioned one earlier in this, this program. Uh, you know, and, and the goal is way bigger picture than that. And it's to save life spiritually too. But, you know, the person has to be alive to be able to have their spiritual life saved. And, you know, the where I see things at, this evil is um, the only way we can defeat this evil is through repentance. We have to understand we got here by rejecting God and the only way back is through repentance. None of us know what God's timeline is. You know, I personally believe that we're in the days of Noah. I think that time is extremely urgent. And so it's time to get right with God. If you don't know God, it is time to uh, take the time and figure out what is this about? And if you do know God, it's time to get your, um, your wits about you and understand the parable of the talents is a call to action for each one of us. For me, the call to action has been um, different than it looks like for other people. And it's just because I've been given different talents, uh, some of which I didn't even know I had, like public speaking. But yeah. it is what it is. I mean, God equipped me and he's, he will equip each one of us. But the only way out of this, you know, we're not going to get out of this by having the right president or, you know, some other crazy man-made solution. That's how we got into this, folks. Mm -hmm. The only way out of this is to get back to to god because you know we're 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 way we are a godless society and once we recognize that and you come to grips with it and you repent then you know god god can restore the society otherwise he's obligated to give us consequences for the choice you know and that's where we're at today that's beautiful scott thanks for sharing that and uh ouramazinggrace.net. How else can people uh, contribute or actually uh, check your work out? Well, the more important than the ouramazinggrace.net, I love people to go there because there's also cool pictures of grace videos, et cetera. But what we're trying to do, because we think there's going to be some major calls to action with Grace's story. So my daughter, Jessica, set up a separate website, gracesharad.com. Share as S-C-H-A-R-A. And we're asking people to sign up there with their name and email so that when we have calls to action, we have a database of emails and we can just send them out and say, hey, this is what we need. So for example, we had a call to action for people to show up at the courthouse this Friday. You know, obviously you've got to live in the area. People, I'm not expecting people to fly in, but the the um, hearing is also available online, so people can zero in online if they want. You know, I don't know what's going to happen at that hearing, but I know that the more support we have, the more prayers that we have, uh, the more likely we're going to get the outcome in in what I would say is our favor, which is the favor of everybody, which is justice. You know, we want justice, and you know, Grace's case is is a step in that direction. That's fantastic. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I wish you luck. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be uh, watching to see what happens on Friday. So uh, hopefully it works out good. Well, so, thanks. Yeah, definitely. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing your information. And I uh, look forward to uh, your success in the future for this. Well, thanks for having me. This was really fun being on with you, Michael. Thanks a lot.